Welcome to the Dogwood Podcast, a presentation of Dogwood Church. For more information, visit dogwood.church. Join us now as Pastor Keith shares today's message. Wow, thank you, musicians. Was that not great? What a great job. Thank you. Yeah, you know, the, 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 uh, the scriptures say, give honor to whom honor is due. And while we, their motivation and ours is to worship our Lord, when, uh, when someone is used by God magnificently in our life, it's a good time to say, yea, God, and yea, you. You remember that little story I tell about the gal? She was in my friend's church, young lady, and, uh, Right before he preached, he, she got up and just sang the stars down out of heaven, you know, kind of like this we just heard. And uh, the pastor, uh, my buddy, stepped up, and she's walking off the platform. He said, just a second, just a second. He said, you just did such a great job. And she didn't know how to respond, uh, you know, honestly. She, just, she was really genuinely uh, a, a person of humility. And so she just said, well, you know, it wasn't me. It was the Lord. And he said, could have sworn I saw your lips move. <laughs> so, guys, saw your lips move. Pretty good. The aim of God in history, he is about this one big purpose. He is about creating an all-inclusive community of loving persons. People from every nation, tribe, and tongue who love God and love people. He's about creating this new humanity uh, with himself as the, the sustainer and the principal central inhabitant of this community. It's his kingdom uh, that is, uh, it is a present reality and a future reality that will be consummated. There's a, he's all about this. Uh, this weekend, I thought about uh, how to introduce this talk today, and I, I really wished we had created a crawler on the screen that said... Jonathan Bailey, I could have sworn I saw your lips move. That was good. Don't you like that? In a Galilee, far, far away. Except this one really happened. This one really happened. God got really busy long, long ago pulling the trigger on this plan to create this new humanity, to redeem men and women and boys and girls and make them new creations in, uh, in Christ that uh, would love and enjoy Him now and, and forever. And He did so by sending His Son to earth. God the Son, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, stepped out of heaven. Philippians chapter 2 says that He did not consider being God something to be clutched greedily, but he emptied himself. He became nothing, uh, took on flesh, and uh, dwelt among us, and was obedient all the way to death on the cross to make a way for people just like you and just like me to be made brand new, be forgiven, be given brand new hearts, uh, be accepted fully by God the Father. Now, you could describe the Christmas story in the Bible in uh, five acts if we were to consider this God's grand drama at this point in history. Uh, we've seen two of those. Act one, 
God sent uh, an angel, Gabriel, to visit an old priest by the name of Zechariah. And he told him that his wife, Elizabeth, was going to conceive. They would would have a decades-old prayer for children answered. And that this child would be the forerunner of the Messiah, the one who would be used by God to prepare the people's hearts to receive Him when He came. Act 2, we saw last week when God sent that very same angel, Gabriel, to a young girl by the name of Mary uh, in uh, a town in Galilee called Nazareth. And he appeared to her and told her that something astounding was about to happen to her, in her, and through her. And that she was going to conceive by the power of the Holy Spirit and that she would give birth to the Messiah. He said that she should go visit old Elizabeth, her cousin, who was in the sixth month of her pregnancy, as kind of a sign of confirmation. And she did, and she stayed with Elizabeth three months. Meanwhile, back at the ranch, there's Joseph, who was engaged to Mary. And we find what happened to him next in Acts chapter 3 in the book of Matthew, chapter 1, beginning in verse 18. If you've got your Bible's hard copy or a digital copy on your pad, uh, your tablet or your uh, phone, turn to Matthew chapter 1, beginning in verse 18. And we find these words there. This is God's Word. The birth of Jesus Christ came about this way. After His mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph... It was discovered before they came together that she was pregnant by the Holy Spirit. So her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her publicly, decided to divorce her secretly. But after he had considered these things, an angel of the Lord suddenly appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, Don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife because what has been conceived in her is by the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. See, the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they will name him Emmanuel, which is translated, God is with us. When Joseph got up from sleeping, he did as the Lord's angel had commanded him. He married her, but did not know her intimately until she gave birth to a son, and he named him Jesus. This is God's word to us. Joseph was a man who was facing difficult circumstances. His fiancée was pregnant, and he knew he was not the father of this child. Joseph had waited all his life for a wife. He had waited, he had prayed, and he had been blessed to be married, uh, pledged to be married to this beautiful, wonderful, pure, godly, exciting young woman. She was everything and more beyond what he had hoped for and dreamed for and prayed for in a wife. He had been so excited to find a young woman who loved God like he did and had kept herself pure 
for marriage as he had done according to God's plan. And he was, he was deeply in love with her. And just when everything seemed perfect, she came to Joseph and said, I'm expecting a child. I am with child. I am pregnant. But it's okay. God did this to me. An angel came to me and told me that this is what was going to happen. I've not been with another man. God did this to me. Isn't this wonderful? Now, we've, we've all heard the story, right? And we kind of, well, yeah, Joseph had never heard the story. Now, imagine. Uh, from joy to despair in 60 seconds. Because apparently Joseph didn't believe her story. Take a look at it. It looked, it looked to him that Mary had been unfaithful, that Mary was an adulteress. And I mean, his world came crashing down. His, own, his, own, his pain and disappointment just almost swept him away, almost consumed him. But then he, he thought of Mary, sweet, kind Mary, the person he loved more than any other person in the whole wide world. What was going to happen to her? For you see, the law on the books in Palestine of the day, in the Jewish community, was that adultery was punishable by execution. It was a capital offense. Now, historians tell us that it was rarely carried out because the, even the rabbis couldn't stomach the idea of it. It was rarely carried out. But it was on the books. If that didn't happen, he did know that being in that small town, that uh, town was full of gossips and, and she would be the talk of the town. I mean, life seemed very, very dark suddenly, very, very sad, hopeless to Joseph. Some of you feel that way today, don't you? Because life is dark for you. Maybe not this circumstance, but you're grieving great loss, the death of a loved one. You're grieving the loss of a job. You're grieving a change in life or circumstances have come, bad health, broken relationships. But for whatever reason, life seems heavy. We're singing all about this joy of the Lord. What are we talking about here? Merry Christmas. I'm, I want this to all go away. It reminds me of the writings of King David in the 23rd Psalm when he said, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Now, to the ancient Hebrews, the, that term valley of the shadow of death was not used exclusively for death and dying. It meant any of the dark, gloomy times of life, any of the deep, sad times of life. It certainly included death, but much more than that. You may feel like Joseph did. Joseph felt like at that time he was in the valley of the shadow of death. And yet God intervened then. Do you need a miracle? Do you need God's intervention? Have you given up? Well, let me tell you, look, because Christ has come, it is always too soon to despair. It is always too soon to give up because He is the God who is with us. He is the God who will invade our darkness. He might deliver us from the darkness. Most of the time, He seems, seems to sustain us through it. And you can do with either one. Because He will be with you. He will be with you. Don't give up. Don't give up. Uh, he intervened in the life of, of Joseph. 
uh, for that very purpose. Now, what kind of person was Joseph? Look at verse 19. It says that he was a righteous man. Now, this does not mean that Joseph was perfect. It does not mean that he was self-righteous. It does not mean that he was holier-than-thou kind of guy. Remember, we're always having to redefine the terms so that we understand what the Bible means by this. When, when the Scriptures say that a man or a woman was righteous, it meant that they were rightly related to God through faith. It meant that they were okay with God through their faith in God, that they were in a close relationship with God, that they loved God, uh, that they were pursuing a, a relationship with God. Intimacy with God is the highest priority of their life, that they, they were also seeking by the presence of God in their life and the power of God in their life and their love for God to align their lifestyle with the will and the ways of God as revealed in the Scriptures, at that time the, the Hebrew Scriptures. So Joseph was a man who was very sensitive toward God, loved Him, wanted to be with Him, wanted to please Him, and yet disaster struck. Now, some of you are in these dark times and people have told you you're there because of your sin. Well, you've rebelled. Obviously, you're doing something wrong because you're being punished. Not necessarily. Most of the time, we bring suffering on ourselves because of our sin and our stupidity. But hard times can hard times come to righteous people, people who are good with God, people who are walking with God, and uh, it came to it came to Joseph. He was a righteous man, and God intervened with him. An angel appeared to a guy like this. Well, Joseph was also not only righteous. Well, because he was righteous, he was a man who was compassionate. And he was compassionate toward people who didn't deserve it. He was a man who who was very kind and tender-hearted toward people who were moral and spiritual foul-ups. We find in verse uh, 19, it says, as he thought about Mary, as he thought about these things, he did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He, He did not want to disgrace her publicly. He decided to divorce her secretly. He couldn't bear the thought of doing what he could have done on the books of making a public display of of Mary, divorcing her. I didn't have anything to do with this. She's sinful. She's the problem. Let's condemn her. Now, we know Mary was not sinful. We know that. We know she was pure. We know she was righteous. We know she was okay with God. But Joseph didn't know it at that time. He thought everything was out of sorts. Yet he was very compassionate toward someone in his life who had apparently blown it, not only with him but with God. You see, when we know our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and when we're rightly related to Him through faith alone in Christ alone, He not only forgives our sins, He gives us a new heart. He begins to change us from the inside out, and He he begins to turn us into people whose hearts get progressively bigger and softer toward God and bigger and softer toward people. He gives us the capacity to love people, all kinds of people, the capacity to love God. All, and, and so this was the kind of man that, that Joseph was. Now, in a day, in our day, when someone sins publicly, whether they're repentant or not, they tend to be crucified. They, all over the media, all over social media. Uh, There's a temptation for us to group people who are living 
against the will and the ways of God into groups and put labels on them and point at them and say, they're the problem, they're bad, they're bad, they're bad. We demonize people in a day when that is the norm in the culture, not, not followers of Jesus. That's not supposed to be us. We're to, we are to be, if we are walking with Christ rightly, we're the people who find ourselves brokenhearted, not mad at people, not angry with people. Even those closest to us when they sin, when they foul things up spiritually and morally and ethically. Because we, like the psalmist, know uh, what the psalmist said in Psalm 103, that, that God knows that we are simply dust. We are weak. We, it, we know how... Because we remember, because we have been forgiven, we are well aware of our own sinfulness and our own tendency and potential to disaster. And we know how easy it is. And so we're just sad and brokenhearted toward people when they, when they found up. Sometimes people will be telling the sins of others and saying, I'm only, I'm only, you know, this is, I'm only saying this because it's true. Well, do you know what the Bible definition of gossip might be? Gossip is not spreading falsehood and lies. That is the definition of slander. Gossip is repeating truth that shouldn't be repeated. The Scriptures say that love covers a multitude of sins. It seeks, as Joseph did because of his relationship to God, to, to minimize the pain or the apparent sinfulness of Mary. Love covers a multitude of sins. So, Look at me, look at me, look at me. Just because something is true that someone said or did or thought or, 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 or what they become, that doesn't mean you should repeat it. It probably means you should shut up. Now, there's a Bible word in there. I can find a verse for that if I need to. See, followers of Jesus talk to people, not about them. Now, write that down. You can write that down. Followers of Jesus talk to people, not about them. Now, we may go to help people get out of the fire. We, talk to, we don't talk about them. We don't share prayer requests for the sins of other people. Oh, we need to pray for, you know, Pastor Keith. He's a jerk. We all know that. You know, you don't, you don't do, we don't do that. We don't, we don't share other people's sins in the form of prayer requests. We talk to people and not about them. And when we can, we just cover a multitude of sins and we, we are brokenhearted for people. We love people. We love people. Well, God is the hero of the story and He had done such a work of grace in the life of Joseph that that was His natural reaction. Fascinating. Well, an angel appeared to him in the dream, and this was different. Same angel. Gabriel appealed, appeared to Mary. He appeared to Zechariah. But when he appeared to Joseph, it was in a, in a dream. They were conscious, but this was in a dream. So apparently angels appear in dreams. Not every night. So if you're getting that every night, you know, I, we need to know about it. And uh, um, 
Uh, I've never had that happen to me. I'd be very cautious if you think an angel has appeared and spoken to you in a dream. Most of the time when I've had something like that, it was because I stayed up too late eating Mexican food. So um, be careful about that. But that's how he appeared to Joseph. And the angel gave Joseph some great affirmation, and he gave him some out, really some outstanding reasons to believe that what Mary had told him was true. In verse 20, he said, what is conceived? He said, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. That's the first thing he said to Zechariah, do not be afraid. First thing he said to Mary, do not be afraid. First thing he said to Joseph, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. The angel confirmed that what Mary said was true. God did this. God the Holy Spirit did work this miracle and caused her to conceive. And he told him that he was to give him the name of Jesus. Now Mary's part... The angel told her in Act chapter two, uh, Act two was to give birth to the Messiah. Joseph's part was to name him Jesus, and he knew what that name means. It literally means the Lord saves. The Lord saves salvation, and then he goes on to say in verse twenty-one that this is the primary reason that Christ was born to provide for you and me salvation, the opportunity. to be uh, delivered from our sin. He will save His people from their sins. Now, let me tell you what that means. When people say salvation, that's kind of a big theological word, but it's a good word. Saved is a good word. It's a Bible word. Salvation is a good word. It's 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 a Bible word. And to be saved or to receive salvation from the Lord means three things. There are three aspects to salvation. First of all, you could say that we are set free from the... You can jot these down. It means that through faith in Christ, because Christ died in our place for our sin, faith in Him means that we can be forgiven the penalty of our sin. We are set free from the penalty of our sin. We are no longer responsible for the guilt of our sin. Christ took it upon Himself. We can be forgiven. A second aspect is that we are set free or saved from the power of sin and temptation over our lives now. Apart from Christ, we have no power to consistently resist temptation and we are under the rule of sin in our lives. The Bible says it this way, we're slaves to sin and temptation. But salvation in Christ means that we are set, we are placed under another kingdom, under another ruler. Sin no longer is our ruler. Christ is our ruler. We're set free from the power of sin over our lives. Third aspect of salvation means that one day when we leave this life and go to be with Jesus in eternity, we will be set free from the very presence of sin. The very presence. This is, this is the gift that Christ brought when He came to this earth and went to the cross and rose from the dead. Forgiveness of the penalty. Freedom from the power. One day, deliverance from the very presence of sin. And I've got to ask you, why would you not take that gift? Why in the name of heaven would you intentionally decide to remain responsible before God for the guilt of your sin? Why would you, for the life of me, uh, choose to remain a slave to your temptations and your sins and your addictions? Why in the world would you choose to step out of eternity and go to an eternal hell separated from God? Why would you do that? Why would you do that? Take the gift. 
take the gift. Do so. And, and for those of us who have done so, our job is to tell people about it. Plead with them to do so. Well, the angel gave Joseph another good reason to believe that what Mary said was true. He, in verses 22 and 23, he said, because uh, it is written in the Bible, and the Bible is God speaking to us. He said, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord said through the prophet. Now, we know the... We know the writings of the prophets in the Old Testament, in the Hebrew Scriptures, and Joseph knew of the, the writings of the prophets. But here he said, he didn't just say this took place to fulfill what the prophet said. No, no, no. He said this took place to fulfill what God said through the prophet. It's a reminder once again from the Scriptures that the Bible is God-breathed. It is the very Word of God, the words of God to man. It is authoritative. It's not just the writings of men, even though He used men over a 1,500-year period to put the whole thing together. It is God-breathed, the very words of God to us. It is God speaking to us. Some of you are here and, and you have an honest question. You wonder, why would people who appear to be reasonably intelligent have any confidence in such an ancient book with ancient writings? I just don't get it. I understand why you don't get it. So let me, let me make an offer to you. I've put together a little, a little paper. It's just a little quick paper called uh, Building Confidence in the Bible. How we can, how we can have greater um, trust in the reliability and authority of the Scriptures. And I give, you, I give you four reasons in this little paper. It's just an introductory way, four good, darn good reasons for trusting in the Scriptures. But I give you a fairly extensive um, bibliography if you want to really drill down on the why. There's a lot of whys, a lot of evidence here. If you'd like that paper, take your communication card and somewhere on your card write a note to me that just says something like, send the paper to me. Send the paper to me, and, and if you've got an email address on there, we'll email it to you. Uh, if you'll put your mailing address, we'll, we'll mail a hard copy to you. But the angel said, you can know, Joseph, that this is true because of what the, it is a fulfillment of what the prophet said, and he, he means the prophet Isaiah. In Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, that he gave this prophecy about 750 to 800 years before the birth of of Christ. And here it is, verse 23, the virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Listen, you can trust God with your present and the future. If you're in a dark time like Joseph was, you can trust God for your present and in the future because he has always fulfilled his word in the past. He's always kept His Word. 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 And so you can trust Him to keep His Word with you now and in the future. And I'd encourage you to do that. Jesus is God with us. God with us. So, so what was Joseph's response? Well, Joseph responded to the message of the angel just like Mary did in faith Faith expressed in confident trust in God 
that worked its way out in how they behaved. Faith, all, faith is not just intellectual. It always works its way out into how we behave. What we know about God changes our hearts and then what we do and how we do it. So Joseph, in verse 24 and 25, we find this. He demonstrated his faith by obedience. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. You know, Joseph was predisposed to obey God. And I find throughout Scripture, sometimes when we pray for God's guidance, I was, I was actually in a discussion with one of um, my friends years ago in the church who, who needed to make some decisions, and they came to me and said, I need to know God's, I need God's guidance on this decision. And so, okay, well, here's how you, you know, here's how we pursue God's guidance on a decision. And as we kept talking, I realized this is what they were saying to me. They were saying, now, I want to know what God's will is so that I can add it to my list of options and then decide what I'm going to do. I said, you're, you're not, you're not going to hear from God. So what do you mean? God's only interested in people who are going to do what he said. He tends not to give his guidance to people who are not predisposed to obedience. And so if you're here this morning and you need God's guidance, you're in the midst of some kind of dark circumstances and you want to know God's will and His ways and what you're supposed to do and how you're supposed to do it and with and by whom and when that would optimize uh, you know, next steps in your life, unless, you're, unless you've already decided whatever He says I'm going to do, you're pretty much going to stay in the dark. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Merry Christmas. So, so be a darn good time to repent. Say, oh, Lord, I, I see. We need to answer like Mary did. And Joseph didn't answer. He just did it. But Mary, when she got the word, she said, I am your slave. Let's do it. Why don't you go ahead and say that ahead of time? Lord, I am your slave. Whatever you, whatever you say, I'm going to do it. Even before I know it. Let's just start at the day. Make that your prayer every day. The adventure level in your life is going to go up. Because you say, well, how do, how do I get... Because He is trustworthy. He is good. He is great. He is unchanging. He is your best interest at heart. With God, nothing is impossible. And so He is trustworthy. Whatever he says, do it. The best, I'm, I'm going to preach on this passage after Christmas. The, the first miracle of Jesus, best advice ever given to mankind was given by Mary, the mother of Jesus, at the wedding at, in Cana in Galilee when uh, she went to the servants and they'd run out of wine. They didn't know what to do. And they said, there's Jesus, whatever he says, do it. That's good advice, whatever he says, do it. Joseph did it. He responded in faith. Maybe it's time for you to do the same. Let's pray. Pray with me. Some of you would say, well, Pastor, I, I want to place this kind of faith in Christ, but I've never done it. What must I do? Here's what you must do. You must repent of your sin. You must place your faith in Jesus. And you must declare Him publicly without shame. To repent of your sin means to acknowledge that you have been living life 
as your own boss in rebellion against God, depending on your own self-righteousness, and that you desire to turn away from that and turn to Him. To believe in Jesus means to place your active trust in Jesus and what He accomplished when He died on the cross and rose from the dead. And you ask Him to apply that to you personally. He said, Lord, I'm, I'm, to the best of my understanding, I'm committing control of my life in eternity into Your hands. To confess Him publicly, the Scriptures say, is to be baptized, believer's baptism. Baptism is the formal... Uh, public profession of our faith in Christ. And I'm talking about believer's baptism, not, not what we might have done as, a, as an infant uh, or a young child before we uh, knew of these things. Uh, but you may want to declare Him publicly now. You may have prayed to receive Christ. You may have, and you just may want to say, well, I, I want to do that now. Well, let's do that now. If that's you... You've trusted in Christ and you just want to say, hey, I just, want, I just need to declare Him publicly. Just stand up where you are. We're not going to do anything weird. We just want to pray for you. People do this every week in our services. Safest place in the world to do it is with a room full of other believers who've already done the same thing. Just stand up right where you are. I'm ready. God bless you, brother, right there. Who else? Somebody just stand up. Yeah, in the balcony. Yes, right here. Who else? Wow. Oh, okay, another somebody else. Men and women all over the place. God bless you both. Welcome to the family of God through faith in Christ. Would you celebrate, guys, with these folks? Would you? I'm, yes, 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 yes. Okay, I said I'd pray for you. Let me pray, let me pray for you all. Heavenly Father, thank you for these men and women who have repented of their sin, placed their active trust in you as their Lord and Savior. And now in faith, publicly declared their faith in you. Thank you that you have forgiven them the penalty of their sin. Thank you that you have adopted them as your children and accepted them fully and reconciled them to yourself. Thank you that you have set them free from the rule and the reign of sin in their lives and now place them in your kingdom. Thank you that you have given them the gift of abundant and eternal life. Thank you that you have given them new hearts by faith as they've trusted in you. Now, Lord, may our church family be a place where they find great encouragement as they begin their life with you, Lord Jesus. Lord, thank you that on a holy night you stepped out of heaven and came to earth began this process of making a way for us to be reconciled to you. We give you thanks for these things. And it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for listening to the Dogwood Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the message. For more information and other sermons, visit dogwood.church. If you'd like to give to Dogwood Church, you can use your smartphone and text keyword dogwood or click the Give link online. You can now download the Dogwood Church app for Apple and Android devices for podcast, video, and more.